Chapter thirty three of Paul the Dauntless. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by David Leeson. Paul the Dauntless by Basil Joseph Matthews. Chapter thirty three. Shipwreck. Over the bow to windward they saw an island loom. The ship staggered on, and at last, under the lee of this island of Clauda, in smoother water, they rounded her to, pulled the ship's boat alongside from the stern, and having bailed out the seas she had shipped, swung her aboard. Cables were then uncoiled, and the sailors, clinging to the ship's sides, tugging and hauling as she swayed and swung from trough to crest, wrapped the cables round under her hull, then across her deck, and hove them tight. When they were thus wound round the ship and made fast, the cables gripped the vessel like the hoops of a barrel. She became more rigid, and the grinding and wrenching of her leaking timbers was made less. Still the strain was terrible, largely through the pull of the mainmast. So the sailors swarmed aloft and fetched down her top gear. Then, with storm-sails set, she swung again into the path of the gale, with her two paddle-rudders holding her to the starboard tack, by which alone she could escape the dreaded Sirtis quicksands. Night fell, but the gale held. All through the dark Paul and Luke would hear the sound of the hiss and thud of the waves as they smote the ship and went seething over her streaming decks. Did they think of that storm in the Lake of Galilee of which Luke wrote? They would surely think of the Lord who ruled that storm. The hum of the wind in the rigging had risen to a long wail, as though the ship moaned in her agony. The waves hung over her like mountains, and then, diving with a mad swoop under her bow, lifted her up, up till her decks sloped at a dizzy angle, and then slung her down the ravine of water into the abyss. Tossed thus, and with the leaking water in the hold menacing them, they were forced to lighten the ship. The sailors hurled overboard all kinds of things in their effort to keep her afloat, but as a second night fell, the buffeted ship still labored in the tempest. And when the men on the morning watch strained their eyes as dawn came up, they could see nothing save the wild, tumbling waste of waters. The ship must be lightened still further. Everything loose was overboard already, so her tackling was bound to go. Paul and Luke joined in the work, and it may well be that the mainyard, which was often an immense spar as long as the vessel itself, was thrown overboard by the united efforts of crew and passengers. "'We cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship,' writes Luke. Day after dreary day wore on. Morning, noon, and night dragged by, but never did the sky break. They looked anxiously skyward for a glimpse of the sun, or for the gleam of a star by which they could determine their direction, but the unbroken gray of sea and sky mocked the ship. The sailors noted the ominous heaviness in the roll of the now waterlogged ship. They must have believed that she would founder, for all hope of being saved was taken away. Kneeling on the deck, they prayed to the twin brethren, Castor and Pollux, the guardian gods of ships, as the Romans believed. But no help came. Despair fell upon them. Their hearts were as heavy as the leaden sky. Yet the prisoner Paul, with that wonderful dignity of his, now seemed, by his courage and confidence, not the man in chains, but the captain. Sweeping the faces of the crew and the passengers with eyes that never showed a flicker of fear of the tempest, he said, 
you should have listened to me and not have loosed from crete to suffer all this harm and loss now i call on you to be of good cheer for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you though the ship will go to pieces the faces of all the people caught the cheerfulness of paul yet they could hardly believe it how should he know paul went on in answer to this unspoken question this very night a messenger of the god whose i am and whom i serve stood by me and said do not be afraid paul you must be brought before caesar and god has given to you all who are sailing with you so be of good cheer for i believe that it will be just as it was told me but we must be wrecked on a certain island for a fortnight the nightmare of tempest had held them now the fourteenth night had fallen the gale was driving them across the sea south of the adriatic suddenly there was a stir among the sailors the quick ear of one and then of another caught a sound terror and hope were on them together for they had heard the far-off boom of the breakers on a rocky headland it was land land for which they had hoped through all those days and nights but land that might mean awful death in the dark on the jagged teeth of a cruel coast the sound was now within a quarter of a mile of them and the white rim of foam may have been seen even in the night over the lee bow ahead over the starboard bow lay an opening in the coast a man in the bows swung out the lead and sounded the depth twenty fathoms he called the ship sailed on and the sound of the breakers drew nearer preparations were made on board while the sailors were busy with cables and anchors in the stern the man in the bow threw out his lead again and fifteen fathoms he cried the sea was shallowing over the lee bow the dash of the breakers could be heard and the whirl of white spray could now be clearly seen the order came and with it four anchors slid from the stern their cables ran through the rudder ports while the rudder paddles were lifted and lashed out of the way of the waves the splash of the anchors was followed by silent moments of waiting would they hold the ship slowed tugged at the cables and stopped they had lighted on a perfect ground where anchors never start but the galloping breakers still came in from the northeast and swept and broke upon the ship's stern while the leaking waters logged her hold the anchors would not give but the vessel would certainly break to pieces before long there was a movement among the seamen the boat was loosed and swung over the side and let down the men were following pretending that they were going to cast out anchors from the bow an utterly useless thing to do in the circumstances their real aim was to escape from the ship that they thought was doomed paul saw the maneuver going to the centurion he said unless these men stay in the ship you cannot be saved julius gave a sharp order to the soldiers who running to the sides drew their short swords and slashed the boat ropes the loosened boat caught by the whirl of wind and water shot out empty and was lost in the darkness the black of the night was now breaking into gray as dawn came up paul who knew that every man would need all the strength that he could command stood up and cheered the people saying this is the fourteenth day that you have waited without food having taken nothing take some food now to strengthen you for not a hair shall fall from the head of any one of you taking up a flat ship's loaf paul asked a blessing and breaking the bread ate it in front of the dejected people soldiers sailors traders 
and government officials who crowded the deck. They caught the spirit of courage from Paul and ate with him. The plan which had been formed was that when full daylight came they should look round the coast off which they were anchored and choose a good place for running the vessel ashore. As every inch of distance from the beach would add to the danger of landing in the stormy sea, the ship must be made as light as possible, so that she would go all the nearer to the shore before grounding. They set to work and hauled from the hold sack after sack of wheat, tumbling them one after the other into the sea. The ship was lightened so that she drew less water. By this time it was full day. The sailors looked closely at the shore, but none of them had ever seen it before. There was a bay to their right, indeed they were anchored at the mouth of the bay, with the bow of the ship toward the rocky headland that made its southern horn. They spied in the bay a creek with a sandy beach. The captain decided to try to run for this. Even the hardiest sailor would shiver at the perilous maneuver, for right ahead the waves broke furiously on precipices of rock which would smash the ship and grind her timbers to splinters if they failed to swing her round in time. At the bow and at the stern men stood ready in silence, waiting. The command rang out. With swift hands the men at the bow hoisted the foresail. At the stern some cut the anchor cables, while others loosed the ropes that held the rudder paddles. The sail bellied. The ship began to move toward the rocks. The men at the rudders pulled. Slowly, but with gathering speed, she began to turn. With a great sigh of relief the people saw her bows swing away from the precipice toward the creek. Behind them the galloping waves drove her, but to their right, from behind a little island, another sea ran into the bay, the two meeting at the creek. There between these currents the ship moved on till she ran aground. Her bows stuck fast in the fine mud. Her stern was buffeted and broken with the force of the waves. As though the perils of the sea were not hard enough, the Roman soldiers, who knew the penalties they would suffer if the prisoners escaped, gathered round Julius the centurion, and pointing to Paul, Luke, and Aristarchus, and the other prisoners, said with hands on their sword-hilts, Let us kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. Julius might have been willing enough in the ordinary way, but the fascination of Paul had gripped him, as we know. So, for the sake of Paul, he gave them orders not to kill the prisoners. Go, he shouted to the people, and let all who can swim throw themselves into the sea. They threw themselves over the side, some hesitating, others plunging in without fear. Those who could not swim seized boards and pieces of the ship which had been broken by the wrench of the waves. The galloping breakers racing toward the beach caught them and drove them shoreward. If they had been driven a few feet to either side they would have been crushed to death on the rocks. As it was they were hurled on to the sand, buffeted and breathless, but safe. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. End of chapter 33